Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Praise the Lord, people of God. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Amen. God is good and his mercy endures to all generations. I'm so glad to be with you in the house of the Lord today. For those of you who may be visiting or not know who I am, my name is Pastor Carlos Smith. I'm the lead pastor here at The Journey. Oh, we are not The Journey here in Rolling World. We are Refreshed Community Church. Let's give it up. I've had it on autopilot for so long, uh, but no, welcome to Refresh Community Church, and we are a church where we are enjoying and experiencing the presence of Christ and having our hearts refreshed, renewed, rebuilt, and restored by the presence of Jesus. So I'm so glad that you are with us and you are experiencing the presence of Christ with us today. And at this point in service, uh, we are going to begin our offering, so it is giving time, saints. Let's give God a praise for the grace of giving. I've had, I've had people ask me, why do we celebrate um, that it's time to give? Because uh, when we have something to pass on to the Lord and what he has done and to show our gratitude, he says, I like a cheerful giver. He said, I don't want uh, someone who is down, sad, mad, angry. It's like, you know, have you ever asked somebody to do something for you and they got a huff and puff what they do? And it's like, you know what, just don't do it then, you know. And uh, God is very much the same way. He said, I want you to give and I want you to give generously and abundantly and liberally. Um, and so there are multiple ways that you can do that. Our church center app, remember to make sure on the Church Center app that you are using the Refresh Community Church uh, version of the Church Center app. So make sure you are no longer logged into the Journey Hanley Road, but that you are logged into Refresh Community Church. Uh, you can give via mail right here, 829 North Hanley Road, um, in person via the baskets uh, or the, the uh, via the baskets, and you can give via check or cash there, or you can text to 84321 and follow the prompts there to give. Um, a bit of housekeeping around giving. Um, really critical. Um, if you are a recurring giver, if you have a recurring gift set up in the Church Center app, it is really important that you change that over from the Journey Hanley Road to Refresh Community Church. Um, some of you, if you're visiting, you may not be aware of this. I know our church family is, uh, that we have made the transition from the Journey Hanley Road to Refresh Community Church and have become an autonomous church, which means that our funds um, are completely separate from the journey. So what that means very practically is that if you do do not give to Refresh Community Church, we will not have money for ministry. Amen. <laughs> so uh, one of the, one of the uh, pieces, as we've talked about uh, this uh, transition from going from being a multi-site, multi-church uh, uh, entity with the journey to being our own autonomous church is the reality uh, that uh, in the past, we, because we networked and shared our resources among five churches, Here's the reality. If our church had a great year, we were able to be a blessing to some of our other churches, or if our year wasn't quite uh, what we expected, we were able to share resources. Uh, but now, it's, 
it's, it's us as a family, y'all. Um, just being honest. Amen. Amen. So I want to take this opportunity not only to speak to those um, who have already had recurring giving, but I also want to encourage those of us who maybe have been on the fence um, about being faithful and committed givers in this season. I want to encourage you to trust the Lord in this area. God says uh, to test me in giving. He says it's one of the few places he actually lets you put him to the test. And he says that he will be indebted to no man. And so I want to invite you in this season, if you have not made the transition uh, to being a committed, faithful uh, giver, and I'm talking to um, our covenant members, I want to encourage you to take that step so that we can continue to do ministry at the level we believe God has called us to do it and to make an impact in this community. Amen? Amen. Let me take a moment and pray for the offering, and then I'll continue with the rest of the, of the announcements. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you for the grace of giving. God, we thank you because when it was time for you to give your son, Jesus, you didn't give him begrudgingly, you didn't give him from a frustrated place, but you gave liberally and abundantly, God, so much so that the Bible calls him the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. God, that means before you ever made Adam and Eve, before you ever made the universe, before you ever made anything, you had already purposed that you would give us your son. And so, Father, we don't give uh, because we are seeking to push back your wrath or to push back a curse because you've already taken the curse on the tree. But, God, we give out of generosity. We give out of thanksgiving because you have given so abundantly to us in Jesus Christ. So, Father, we pray that you would take these gifts, multiply them for kingdom impact, that we may continue to advance the gospel from this place. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We are continuing our sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Luke. Luke is the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, then Luke. We're going to be hanging out there. We're continuing in our sermon series entitled Liberated. And this sermon series examines how Jesus comes for the lost, the broken, the forgotten, the oppressed, the marginalized. That is who he comes for. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. If you have your Bibles, you can, or if you're using our pew Bible, rather, that's on page 861. And let us stand together in reverence for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16, just a couple of verses. Hear the word of the Lord. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell down on his face and begged him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Let me pray for our time. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you because we know that you are good. We know that your mercy endures to all generations, God, and we thank you that you have come for those who have been forgotten and rejected. Father, we thank you that you are a compassionate Savior, that you call us to yourself, and that you heal us, God. And not you don't do it begrudgingly, you don't do it um, out of compulsion, but God, you do it because you are a good, good Father. 
So, Father, speak to our hearts today from your word. Remind us and encourage us of your character and your care for us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may have your seats. I'm going to lift up for a thought for just a few moments. Restoration for the rejected. Restoration for the rejected. I don't care who you are, what you do, where you're from, how gifted you are, how many accolades you have, rejection is hard. Rejection hurts. Rejection is difficult. It doesn't matter if we're talking about something as simple as not being picked on the basketball court and being left standing there while other people form their teams as a child, or the rejection of a spouse or a loved one or a partner sitting down telling you that they are finished with the relationship. Rejection hurts. Rejection brings tears. And this is not just a phenomenon of the emotions. It hurts so bad. Rejection stings so much. It affects us so deeply because what I found in my studies is that rejection is actually a biological reaction. MRI studies show that the experience of rejection actually activates the same centers of the brain that are associated with physical pain. So much so that when we undergo rejection, they found that Tylenol actually helps ease the pain because it is the exact same part of the brain. Studies also show that when we experience rejection and we relive them and we experience it over and over again, that the social pain and what we feel emotionally is more vivid than any other type of physical pain that we can remember. Rejection also sends us on a seek-and-destroy mission of our own self-esteem because when we experience rejection, if we experience it enough time, we begin to internalize it. We begin to say, am I worth it? Should I, did I deserve it? Maybe I do really lack value. And often for some people who have experienced rejection, they begin to live their life in ways that are in, in risky behavior and destructive, self-destructive behavior because they've been rejected so much that they think that they deserve it. But this morning, the good news that I have for you and the good news of the Gospel of Luke and the good news ultimately of Jesus Christ is that he has come for the rejects. That Jesus Christ has come for those who have been rejected by parents, by family, by loved ones, by caregivers, by spouses, by the culture, by the community. He comes for those who have been forgotten, rejected, shut out, and repudiated. And he looks, the, looks at them and says, those are my people. I, I, I don't understand it. I wish I had a really good reason to tell you, but God has no other reason to set his heart on the rejects of this world other than he is good. It is his own goodness, his own grace, his own love that causes him to set his love on the rejects. You know, I was, um, I I was doing what I do on, on, on social media. I was on Facebook and y'all know, y'all, I hope y'all are aware of this, um, that your, um, that your smartphone is just a wiretap. That's all it is at this point. It's a wiretap. In my day, we used to be afraid of the government tapping our house. Now we buy smart speakers for them to type. We talk to the wiretap. We ask 
the wiretap, random questions. Hey, wiretap, how many cats can fit in a shoebox? Wiretap will tell you. Nothing you talk about is private now. And I was going about my life talking about grocery shopping, just having a normal conversation with my spouse, talking about grocery shopping, how I need to buy fruits and vegetables, how I need to eat more of these things. Sure enough, the wiretap hurt me, and when I picked up the wiretap, and I ain't worried about my wires being tapped, I'm gonna tell you why. If the government want my sermons, I hope they get saved. Ain't nothing there. I hope they get saved. They can have it all. Ain't, ain't, ain't much to see, but sermon and exegetical. Did they want to read my emails to the, from the church? Fine. I'm not worried about it. And so I picked up my wiretap, and sure enough, I log into to Facebook, and there was an ad from a company called Misfits Market. And I, I said, Misfits Market? What is this? And, and their whole premise was simply this. We take the misfit, ugly, rejected fruit that they won't sell you in a grocery store, and we sell it to you for a discounted price. Now, I did some research because I was like, what do you mean by misfit? I need some definition because I wanted to make sure this ain't some weird, you know, Monsanto, you know, genetically, what we, what we doing with, this, with these vegetables here? But turns out they're organic vegetables that just don't look that good, that have been rejected, that don't fit the profile of what schnooks or deerbergs would rather put before you. And they said, we will sell it to you for a discounted price. And I said, thank you, Wiretap. You're going to help me preach on Sunday. Because God says, that is exactly what I do with the misfits of this world. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, see your calling, brothers, that not many of you wise according to the flesh, not many of you mighty, not many of you noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put the shame to the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put the shame to things that are mighty and the base things of the world and God has chosen the despise to put the not the things that are and I just want to give somebody who might be a misfit a reject forgotten repudiated rejected by the world I want you to know that Jesus Christ has accepted you do I got a witness this morning I love Jesus because he says, I specialize in those who have been forgotten. So son or daughter of God who have been wrestling with rejection for whatever reason, for whatever space in your life, you have to know that Jesus has come to show you his love, his healing, and his restoration. He says, all that the Father gives to me, they come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I, 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 and never, y'all do know that never is an absolute statement. Jesus says, if you come to me, I will never cast you out. I, I will never forget about you. I will never throw you to the side. I will never put you to the side. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how broken you are, how fallen you are, how much you have sinned, how much you have blown it, how wicked you are. I will never cast you out. And that is the hope that many of us need this morning. And so in our text for this morning, we see someone receive the gospel, experience the presence of Christ, who is a certified, bona fide reject in his culture. This brother here, I don't know his name, but he had a disease called leprosy. It was a skin disease. It's not the same leprosy that we think of today called Hansen's disease. It could have been that. Um, but it was actually, it could have actually been a, a, a much simpler type of skin disorder that was actually not quite as bad as Hansen's disease, but it was enough to render him ceremonially unclean. And due to the Levitical law, this sought to mitigate the spread and prevent the contamination of the, of the courts of God and the tabernacle and the community, he had to be completely isolated. 
Now, we have to get our heads around this idea of unclean. It didn't necessarily mean sinful, but it did mean separate. It did mean that you had to be separated from your community. So this brother, this, this, this leper, if you will, he would have been outside of his family. He would have been away from his loved ones. He would have been impoverished because he couldn't work, and he would have been outside of his faith community because he couldn't go to the temple and he couldn't go to the synagogue. In fact, the only people he could hang around was other lepers. The only people he could spend time with is other rejects. And do you know how depressing it has to be when the only people you can talk to are the, only, are the people that are in your same depressive situation? The only people that you can be around are the same people that are sick just like you? The only people you can let, you can't have hope because all you can see is your own sickness and a sickness of other people. In fact, a person who had leprosy was considered ritually dead. He was completely dead to his family, dead economically, and dead in his spiritual state. And here is the remarkable part, people of God. While everybody else pushed him away, Jesus actually drew him near. And that is this whole sermon. If you're sitting here trying to figure out where I'm going, I am already there. And here is the whole point of the sermon, that even when society, religion, church people push you out and push you to the side, Jesus welcomes you to himself. And so for those of you who, who just want a, a sermon outline so bad, I'm going to give you one. Here, here's what it is. It's simply this. Jesus welcomes, embraces, and restores the rejects. That's the whole sermon that, you, that you're looking for there. He welcomes, embraces, and restores the rejects. So I'll tell you all about it. The first thing we see in this text is that Jesus welcomes the rejected when we approach him. Jesus welcomes the rejected when we approach him. Look, look at verse 12. It says that while he was in one of the cities, he's still up in Galilee, nice tropical Mediterranean Galilee. It's beautiful palm trees, nice fruit up there. He's chilling, and he was in one of the cities that we don't... It, Luke doesn't even tell us where, there came a man full of leprosy. Now, don't read this too quickly because it seems very typical. It, it seems easy peasy. It says that there just came a man full of leprosy. Why wouldn't a man just be coming that direction? Here's why he shouldn't be coming that direction. People with leprosy shouldn't be approaching anyone. He shouldn't have been outside of his camp if he had seen other people. What the law says is that in Leviticus 13 is that the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside of the camp. According to the law, according to the law of Moses, he was to be in isolation. He should not have been in one of the cities going anywhere, especially because he was full of leprosy. Don't, don't let these small words get past you. He didn't just have leprosy. He didn't just have a little bit of leprosy. He didn't just have a little leprosy, you know, a little eczema. You know, you put a little, little cortisone cream on, but ah, and you're done with it. He didn't have that. He was covered from head to toe in leprosy. Everybody knew he was a leper. This leprosy was obvious. This leprosy was ugly. This leprosy was very, very in your face. And here he is with the audacity to be outside of his camp, outside of his home, and outside of where he was supposed to be. But what compelled this man to 
come outside of where he should have been. It was faith in Jesus Christ. Because everything said that he should be moving away from Jesus. Everything in the law, everything in society, everything in the customs, everything in propriety says that he should be going away from Jesus. But his faith and his hope that Jesus is his only chance for restoration compels him to come closer to Jesus. And I want to talk to people just for a moment who has had to feel that they had to put Jesus down, not because Jesus is so bad, but because things and externals have pushed them away. You see, I was thinking about this and I was wrestling through this and I noticed how this brother had to push through some things. He had to push through the years of hurt and pain. He had to push through the years of shame. He had to push through the years of rejection. He had to push through the years. Can you imagine walking down the street? Pick your malady of choice. Pick the source of shame in your life and imagine walking down the street and having to cry out and tell everybody about it. That you walk down the street and say, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm an adulterer. Stay away from me because I'm addicted to substance. Can you imagine something being wrong with you and everybody you meet? You walk down the loop and in the loop, you got to make sure they know that they can't come near you because you are broken. Can you imagine the shame that this man felt? The years of internalized rejection, the years of internalized self-esteem. And you know what he does? He comes to Jesus anyway. He pushes through what society says. He pushes through what religion says. And I want to encourage those of us who have experienced hurt and shame and pain that may have come from religious places. Listen, this ordinance about him being pushed to the side is in Leviticus. It's in the Torah. This is the law. He was isolated because the law said he had to be isolated. And yet Jesus transcends the law because that is what love does, people of God. The love of Jesus transcends the law that seeks to push people out and brings them closer. And what will happen oftentimes is that people will weaponize the law, will weaponize scripture, baptize it in their culture, and use it to reject you. And so there are people who are wrestling with church hurt, and it has nothing to do with Jesus at all. There are people who are hurt by the church, have been wounded, and it's not that Jesus has been wounding, but religion has been wounding. Religion has rejected you. Tradition has dismissed you. Cultural Christianity has shut you down. Church culture has shut you out. But Jesus says, I want you to come to me. It's been religion that said that you have to toe a political line to be accepted by Jesus. It's been religion that has created legalism and boundaries around cultural preferences and enshrined them in theology and said you have to take it and do this in order to be accepted by Jesus. But Jesus says, no, I want you to come to me, all you that labor, and I will give you rest. Jesus, it's Jesus who says, I'm not shutting you out. I'm calling you in. I am the bread of life, and I want you to come to me and be fed. I am the water of life, and I want you to come to me and be satisfied. I am the good shepherd, and I want you to come to me and receive my provision. You know, when we think about Jesus versus what we can experience at the hands of religious folks, it can be the widest conceivable gulf. This is what uh, Mahatma Gandhi said. He says, I love your Christ. He was a whole Hindu. He says, I love Jesus. Jesus is good. Y'all Christ is good, but y'all Christians are something else. Listen, this is, what, this is what my ancestors figured out. They figured out that the religion that the slave masters were preaching and what they found out through the slave preachers in the Bible were two different things. 
This is exactly what Frederick Douglass says. He says, that, he says that, listen, between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference. So wide that to receive one as good, pure, and holy is of to necessity reject the other as bad, corrupt, and wicked. Frederick Douglass says, I love Jesus. I love the Christ. But y'all Christians are wilding out. Y'all are oppressing. You are, you are exploiting. And I will reject what you are doing in order to embrace Jesus. And that's exactly what the leper had to do. And so I want to talk for a moment to those who may have pushed Jesus away, may have deconstructed, may have pushed away the faith. I want to encourage you to revisit it because you might not actually be pushing away Jesus, but be pushing away religion in the name of Jesus. And so I want to invite you again. I want to invite you again that if you feel like a reject, if you feel like you uh, uh, are outside, that Christ is still welcoming you to himself. He is still inviting you to come to him. He is still inviting you into fellowship with him. He is still inviting you into relationship with him. But not only is he welcoming, Jesus welcomes this rejected man. This man just walks up. He should have been outside. He was in one of the cities and there came this man full of leprosy. So he has the audacity, the faith, and trust to approach Jesus. But not only that, Jesus welcomes him, but then Jesus embraces him. He embraces the rejected when we petition him. Look at what the man does. He sees Jesus. He comes to Jesus. Already outside of the moors of religion. And then he falls on his face. And he begs him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. His faith transcended the boundaries of the law. And he talks to God face to face and said, if you want to, you can make me clean. This man said, I'm willing to risk being stoned because I know you are my only chance at full restoration. And so he comes to Jesus. He falls on his face and he begs him. He says, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. And look at Jesus' response. I want to. And, 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 and y'all, listen, that, that, that's a word for me. It might be for you. If it's for you, cool, but it's for me. Some of us need to know that God wants to bless you, that God wants to restore you, that God wants to heal you, that he is a good, good father, and he desires to give good gifts to his children. The truth of the matter is, is that some of us struggle in prayer because we don't know if God really wants to bless us. And what Jesus models for us is that I want you to pray for that miracle. I want you to pray for that deliverance. I want you to pray for what you need because I am going to give you everything that I've got. And so this man, he presses through by faith. He pushes against the rejection of religion. He comes to the one who can do it. And he says, God, if you want to. And I like his, his, his recognition of God's sovereignty because he doesn't try to name it or claim it or tell Jesus what he got to do or make Jesus do anything. He says, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I want to. He says, it is, it is my good pleasure, little flock, to give, you my king, to give you the kingdom. I desire to pour out my anointing on you. I desire to give you my purposes. It's the difference between going to McDonald's and going to Chick-fil-A is what the difference is. You, have you ever, you want to take your life in your hands? You, if, if you want to risk your life, go to McDonald's, order some chicken nuggets, ask them for an extra pack of barbecue sauce. They might, they might pull something on you. If you ask for an extra bar, they, are, they, they don't like it. I've tried it many times. You, you go, you get your 10-piece nugget, they're going to give you one little ball head pack of sauce. They're going to give you this one sauce. It's not enough. You say, pardon me, sir, pardon me, ma'am, can I have an extra pack of 
of barbecue sauce. And they're going to meme mug you because they're from St. Louis. They're going to give you that ice grill. And they're going to charge you, depending on where you're at, 25 cents for it. They, 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 might, they, might, they might do this at you. Like, like, man, I ain't giving you nothing. Like, like, bro, like, these nuggets are dry, bro. They overcooked. They've been sitting back there for seven hours. Please. I just don't want to choke to death. Can I please? And if they save, they might give you one. They know Jesus. But, but you go to Chick-fil-A, man. You go to Chick-fil-A, it's a whole different ball game. I love Chick-fil-A. It's one of my favorite places. Hey, Amen. Chick-fil-A. I've been praying for 20-some years for like seven-day Adventist Chick-fil-A's that are open on Sundays. <laughs> I'm like, can we get some different denominations? Sometimes you need them different denominations. Like, can we get, <laughs> can we get some Sabbath-keeping Chick-fil-A's so I can eat on Sunday? Got to go to Cane's on Sunday. But anyway... But you go to Chick-fil-A, you go to Chick-fil-A, and I just asked them for ridiculous amounts of sauce, but they don't know us. I got it stockpiled in my refrigerator. I got a war chest in case a recession happened. I can still <laughs> have a backlog of Polynesian sauce. I go, I ordered, I ordered the same 10 nuggets, and they say, what sauce do you want? I say, give me ranch, buffalo, Polynesian. I, I want whatever kind of, you got a new one, give me that one too. Sweet and sour and 17 Chick-fil-A sauces. And you know what they say? Y'all know what they say? What they say? My pleasure. That's, that's what they say. My, my, my pleasure. It's, it's, it's my pleasure. And y'all, that, that spirit of my pleasure is the spirit of Christ when we pray to him. It, it, is, it is my pleasure to bless you. And, and so the leper, he prays. He asked Jesus, if you want to, you can bless me. And, and Jesus says, it's my pleasure to bless you. I, I, I know I'm God in the flesh. I know I've received eternal worship from the angels from all of eternity. I know that I am the king who is going to judge all the, all the earth. But it is my pleasure to serve you. I had a conversation with a Jewish friend about this, about how the issue of Christianity that they see with God is that God begins to serve human beings. And I say that's exactly the point of Christianity because God says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. I told him, Jewish brother, now you're getting the gospel. That's exactly what we're saying, that God is so humble, that God is so God that he ain't even got to be insecure about his godness, that he can put on a body of flesh, come down and watch the feet of his disciples and still be the judge of all the world. That is exactly who God is. So Jesus says, it's my pleasure to bless you. It's my pleasure to heal you. I want to see you holistically restored to your family and to your community and economically and in your body. I, I want to see it. That's not all Jesus says. Jesus could have just said it. We have multiple accounts in the scripture of Jesus healing people with a word. We have multiple accounts of Jesus healing people by just speaking. We have multiple accounts of Jesus healing people, not even in the same proximity, just sending his word, as Isaiah says, and healing them. But Jesus does not do that in this case. Look, look at the text. Some of the most, I believe these are some of the most tender words in all of Scripture in verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. What? He, Jesus, uh, he, he stretches out his hand and he touched him. I don't know how long this man had been a leper, but I do know this. I know it had been a long time since he had been touched. 
had been a long time since he had been embraced. It had been a long time since he had experienced compassion. And so Jesus not only welcomes him when he approaches him, but he embraces him when he petitions him. He reaches out his hand and he touches him because you didn't touch a leper because you were going to get defiled. But Jesus is so pure, so full of power, so full of anointing that the, uh, the uh, leprosy does not contaminate him, but he purifies the leprosy. And so he reaches his hands out and he makes him clean. This is the picture of God showing his loving comfort and grace. And what I love about this child of God is that Jesus does not back up from the leprosy because he's worried about it. He actually moves towards it. And I know that very thing that maybe you have experienced rejection over, that very thing that you feel makes you shameful, that very thing that you feel makes you worthy of all the bad stuff that has happened in your life. Jesus says, I'm not moving away from it. I'm moving towards it. The Bible says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and say the crushing spirit, that Jesus doesn't move away from our brokenness, our fallenness, and our sinfulness. He moves towards it. How do I know this? Because when he saw us sinking deep in sin, he put on his flesh and incarnated himself and didn't move away from us, but he moved towards us to save us and redeem us from the clutches of sin. You know, I, I was looking at this. And I thank God for this because I, I think about myself. I got a lot of reason folks can move away from me. This is just, just push me to the side. I've experienced it. And some of it you look at it and you're like, well, I was kind of wilding out. And Jesus says, I keep coming closer. I just keep drawing near to you. It made me think about when I was a little boy, a little tiny guy. Believe it or not, I used to be tiny. It's a little tiny guy. I was in elementary school. And, um, and I'll never forget, you know how we in elementary school, everything seems larger than life. Um, everything is big. I walk, you know, you walk around and I remember first going to middle school and the, the, the lockers look huge and all this stuff. And so I remember being in, in elementary school, being a little guy. And I actually think this person was actually as big as I thought they were. Um, but there was a substitute teacher. I'll never forget him. His name was Mr. Claiborne. Mr. Claiborne was like I'm talking buff. Like, he looked like a WWE wrestler. I mean, this dude was shredded. And I remember being a little boy, he was, had to be at least 6'12 or something. Like, this dude, <laughs> this dude was just enormous. And I remember looking at Mr. Claiborne. He was the biggest person that I had ever seen in my life. And he was shredded. And Mr. Claiborne, he was a substitute teacher. And he would come there, and he was actually the nicest guy ever. He was, he was so nice. As big as he was, he was a gentle giant. He would come, and he would substitute teacher there. And he would be with us and he's just super memorable for so many reasons but I remember Mr. Claiborne he told us that we talked about why are you substitute teaching what do you do during the other time and he told us he said I'm a firefighter and Mr. Claiborne was shredded because he was a firefighter and we were like wow what what do you do what do, what do firefighters do what does that mean to be a firefighter and I'll never forget what Mr. Claiborne told us little kids in that elementary school in Detroit he says well I'm a firefighter and what that means simply is that when everybody else runs from the fire I run to the fire and that man taught me something about God that day because while everyone else is looking at your life like a dumpster fire and they are running from you because of what you got going on they're running from you because of your issues they're running from you because of your mental health challenges they're running from you because they view you as a burden Jesus says I am running to the fire in order for you to experience my grace and so while everybody else runs away from your brokenness Jesus runs towards it he he goes towards this man he stretches out his hand and when he didn't have to touch him his word was sufficient his will was enough he healed him he embraces him and so we see 
for those of us who are rejects, that Jesus welcomes us, he embraces us. But this last point, he restores us. He, he restores the rejects when we obey him. Look at, look at verse 14. It says, I will be clean. And he stretches out his hand and says, immediately the leprosy left him. It, it didn't wait. It didn't take a while. This man who was full of leprosy, who was covered in leprosy, he didn't have a little leprosy. He was completely covered it. Immediately the leprosy left him. And then look at what happens in verse 14. And Jesus charged him, he commanded him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. Listen, you're talking about some words that would have been disobeyed. Um, if Jesus had have healed me and say, don't tell nobody. First of all, when I looked up and saw my baby smooth skin again, when, when I looked up and saw that my skin was glistening like I had just put fresh cocoa butter and shea butter on it, I don't know if I would have heard the rest of what Jesus said because I would have been shouting like straight up Pentecostal assemblies of God, church of God in Christ, tearing the rug up. Jesus, you have restored my whole life. I would have been tearing the whole desert up about what Christ has done for me. But that's not what happens. At least in this account, another guy did exactly what I said I would do. Like another dude, Jesus said, don't tell nobody. He literally went and told everybody. And I was like, I get it. I mean, that's me. That's exactly what I would do. And that's why Jesus may not, he just, that's why he put me here right now. Uh, because this would have been a different account. And so Jesus charges him. He says, tell no one. This is the thing. I'm not going to get off into it called the Messianic secret. And people are not sure why he did it. Was he trying to keep people from keep himself to be able to move freely? Uh, was he trying to obscure his, his identity at this point? It is very early in his ministry, and his identity could have been subject to misinterpretations. There's a lot of reasons to posit why he did this. All I know is that he said, tell nobody, except for one particular group of people. He says, but go and show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. He said, don't go and tell everybody except for the priests. I want you to go a particular place. He makes this man completely whole. He, he, he absolves years of pain, years of shame. He restores him and gone in an instant is, are the pain and the scars of leprosy. In one instant, he is completely whole. And he says, I want you to go and tell this one group of people. And here's why, because here's the reality. Even though God's word had been misappropriated, even though God's word had led to pain for him, he says, I still want you to be obedient. And here's what Jesus does for us. Jesus, he calls us to himself. He welcomes us to himself. And listen, he heals this man first. Notice in scripture, and read it very carefully. If you read the Bible very carefully, God never commands us to do anything before he has shown us his grace. And so he calls this man to himself, completely brings restoration to him, gives him the healing. He didn't say, if you're going to show the priest, then you'll get healed. No, the man was healed. Now he says, I want you to go and bear witness that I am the healer. I want you to go and bear witness that I am the one that does it. But listen, look at this text. It's fascinating because the only way the man walks in the fullness of his healing is if he goes and obeys what Jesus says. You see, the man could have been completely clean and completely restored, but the only way he could be readmitted to the community formally was if he showed the priest. 
You see, Jesus has said, I've given you the healing. I've poured out the salvation on you. I've poured out the deliverance on you. But if you want to walk in the fullness of what I have for you, I need you to obey my word. You see, this man, man had to go and see the priest because the priest had to decide that he could go back and see his family and his friends and his loved ones. This man had to go and talk to the high priest because the priest had to decide that he could walk in economic freedom and that he could enter again into the workforce and get out of a life of poverty. This man had to go and talk to the priest because it was the only the priest who could heal him, who could declare him healed and say, you can go back to the temple, you can enjoy the Passover, you can go to the synagogue and hear the word of God. It was the priest who would put him through a ceremony that every leper had to go through when they were cleansed. And what they would do is they would shave all the hair from their body. They would shave off their eyebrows, shave every piece of hair from their head. And then guess what? They would enter a pool of water and immerse themselves and come back up. People of God, this is baptism. This is restoration. This is the new life. And he says the only way you're going to go through that and experience the economic, the social, and the spiritual restoration that I have for you is if you obey my word. Even though the religious people had perverted it and misappropriated, God's word is still God's word. And here's what I'm saying to you. God is saying, listen, I've already given you my salvation. You are a reject. I have accepted you. I've called you my son and my daughter. I've given you eternal life. I've poured out my grace on you. I've shown you my faithfulness, but you've been asking me this question. God, when am I going to walk in the fullness of my healing? When am I going to walk in the fullness of my deliverance? When am I going to experience the joy of my salvation? When am I going to finally walk in victory as a Christian? When am I finally going to have liberation from that thing that has bound me for so long? When am I finally going to experience the peace that passes all understanding? When am I finally going to become the person, the Christian that you have called me to be? And he says, the barrier is not what I've done. I've already done the work, but now the barrier is your obedience. Never mistakes God's grace for your collaboration with him to be obedient to what he has called you to do. And God is saying, if you want to experience the joy of your salvation, the peace of your salvation, the fruit of the spirit, he says, son, daughter of God, I've restored you, I've healed you, but I still need you to walk in obedience to my word. So he gives him a charge. He says, listen, I want you to go and tell nobody, but go and tell this person. If the man had not done it, he would have been healed. The, 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 the gift, the Bible says, the gifts and callings of God of thy repentance, he would have been healed. But he would have never experienced the fullness of that healing. He wouldn't have experienced the social dimension. He wouldn't have experienced the economic dimension. He wouldn't have experienced the spiritual dimension, dimension unless he obeyed Jesus' word. You know, I was uh, thinking through this text. It made me think about uh, Kevin Hart, the comedian, Kevin Hart. Um, and I know y'all like, what? what does Kevin Hart have to do with this text? Give me a minute, okay? The same thing Chick-fil-A has to do with this text. Just give me a minute. It's the way my brain works, okay? <laughs> now, I was sitting there, it made me think about Kevin Hart. And when Kevin Hart first became a, or it wasn't like when he first became a comic, but when he began to blow up, it was earlier, a little earlier on in his notoriety, um, he was on the Conan O'Brien show. It's getting, I know it's getting out there. Like, if you don't know who Conan O'Brien is, it's okay. I miss Conan, man. And so this tells you a bit about my human. Kevin Hart, Conan O'Brien, they were together on the show, and I was watching them. It was a fascinating interview. And so Kevin Hart was talking about how when he first started in stand-up comedy, how it was a struggle and how he was pretty much almost homeless because he was not making any money from his stand-up comedy. And he talked about how much struggle and lack he experienced. 
And he was talking on this show. He said, but my mom, who was a very godly, religious, church-going woman, encouraged me all the time to pray and read my Bible. And he said, no matter what went on, my mother always told me to pray and read my Bible. And he talked about how he was going through this struggle. And he said that his mother had promised him, he said, listen, Kev, I'll give you one year to make it as a comic, and I'll help subsidize the cost of your rent. But all I need you to do is pray and read your Bible. And Kevin would not pray and read his Bible. And so Kevin was making absolutely zero money from his stand-up comedy. And his rent was three months past due, and they were ready to evict him. And so he said, I called my mother frantically, and he said, Mama, they are about to evict me. Can you please send me some money for the rent? You told me you were going to support me. Can you please send me some money for the rent? She said, Kev, have you prayed and read your Bible? He said, Mama, I ain't got time to pray and read my Bible. Are you going to send me the money? She said, call me back when you pray and read your Bible. Hung up the phone on me. <laughs> so Kevin said, time went on. He said, Mama just tripping. You know, she always praying. All Mama do is go to church. And so he's trying to make it happen. He's still telling jokes. Nobody laughing. He has no money. So he calls Mama back. Mama, they put a, a note on my door. He said, they, they're going to set me out. Mama, can you send me some money? She said, son, have you read your Bible yet? No, Mama, I ain't got time for reading my Bible. She said, come back when we read my Bible. Click, hung up on him again. And he said, he kept going through this. He said, he called him one last time, Mama, please, and I'm going on. They're about to put me out. Please send me something. He said, she said, son, did you read your Bible? He said, Mama, why do you keep asking me this? And she said, he, she just hung up on him. And so he finally, he said he was in a tough spot. He said, I finally said, I don't know why she want me to read this Bible so bad. And she said, he said he picked up the Bible that his mother had given to him. And when he opened it up, he had a year's worth of rent checks. Because she had already provided everything that he needed. But because he wouldn't obey mama, he didn't know that all his needs were met. Child of God, God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. But he's saying, will you read your Bible? Will, will you obey me? Will you do what I've called you to do? I've already delivered you. I've already provided for you. I've already given to you. All you got to do is obey me. And when you open up and obey what I have called you towards, the provision is right there. You want to walk in more freedom in Jesus? Obey what God has told you to do. You want to walk in more victory and provision? Obey what God has called you to do. You want to see the power of God activated in your life, in your marriage, with your children? Walk in obedience to God and his word. Because God has has already poured out his healing and his deliverance. He just says, it's time to obey me so you can walk in the fullness of the power that I have for you. God be praised for his word today. Listen, I, 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 this message is just so near and dear to me because I know exactly what it's like for people to give up on you, to forget about you, to say that you won't make it, to say that you're not worth much. And I'm being honest, I've had some of the most valuable people in my life, some people I'm closest to, look me in my face and say, you're not going to amount to much. <laughs> it's crazy. And some of us have experienced that. Some of us are still either in counseling or should be because of what a parent or coach or loved one or romantic partner, how they tore us down. And here's the message of the gospel. Jesus receives you. Not just, not just kind of like, you know, like, all right, I'll tolerate you. But he welcomes you. He embraces you. He restores you. Listen, if you are fighting with God or you got church hurt and all these things, I don't in any way want to minimize those things. But I want to point you past church hurt, past religion, and point you back to Jesus. And wherever we find ourselves, 
Listen, I, I, I for the life of me, and I, I, I didn't live many different lives in some ways, and Jesus is still the best thing going. Jesus is still the best thing going. And so I want to invite you, if, if, if you are feeling the sting of rejection, if you're wrestling through where you are, I want to invite you to the Savior who says that I accept you. I receive you. I welcome you to myself. When others push you to the side and reject you, I receive you and I embrace you. And the places where you are broken, where you are hurting, I will bring complete healing. And then I will deploy you towards obedience to me, not to earn the blessing. You already got the blessing. That's what I love about it. He doesn't say obey and then I'll heal you. No, he heals them first and say, because I healed you, not go and obey. And y'all, obedience gets so much sweeter when it's tied to what God has already done. When we've already experienced God's grace, his love, obedience, get easy. You want to obey at that point. And so I want to give you an invitation. And even as our, our, um, our prayer team comes, our response team comes, I want to invite you to bring those burdens to Christ. We will have godly men and women who are here who can share with you, who can pray with you, who can walk with you. But I want to encourage you, don't, don't be out there by yourself. And even if you're like, maybe it ain't rejection. I don't know where you are, what you're wrestling with. It may be something completely unrelated to anything I talked about today. Guess what? We can bring those burdens to Christ. We can leave them with him. But if you've been struggling in any way, I want to invite you to come. We'll have brothers and sisters here who love Jesus, who know the words of prayer, who can walk with you, who can encourage you, who can pour into you. But you need to know that Christ has received you and he has embraced you. Let's stand together as we worship. God, we thank you. God, we praise you because you are good. God, and when the world rejects us, when the world says we won't amount to much, when a spouse or a loved one tells us that we're not worthy of love, God, you not only affirm us with your words, but God, you come close to us and you embrace us. Father, there are people right here who need to feel that embrace, who are hurting, who are broken, who are wounded. Sure, they may be successful. They may make gobs of money. They may got degrees from the most prestigious institutions, and they're hurting. They feel rejected. God, remind them that when the world rejects them, that you embrace them. When the world pushes them, them away, you draw them close. Father, give us the gift of your presence. Give us the gift of your embrace today. By the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.